All right, Doc, give give it to me straight. What's what's wrong? What's wrong, Doc? Well, it appears that you were sneezed on by a lemur. <clears throat> oh, well that that didn't sound so bad, Doc. So I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be okay. Okay, um, first of all, yes, I said you were sneezed on by a lemur, but let's maybe assess everything else that's going on with you. First of all, yes, you were sneezed on by a lemur. The average exotic animal has many more diseases that the human body is not used to fighting. So, um, that's why we have you in this medical tent. It's why I'm wearing a hazmat suit. And it's why you're bleeding profusely from your nose and it hasn't stopped since you've been in here. What? Oh, no, this, this, it's just an altitude issue. We are in, we are in Toledo, Ohio. You're, it's not an altitude issue. Dry air? No, no, you are dying. What? From a lemur sneeze? Okay, maybe I'd didn't specify this to you, sir. So I think you may not have been aware of as you were scaling the enclosure to get into the lemur inc monkey enclosure so that you could quote unquote fist bump a lemur. Um, you were exposed to a disease not yet known to human medical science. That's a thing that can happen? Yep, there's a reason that exotic animals are only meant to be handled with rubber gloves and masks. And you just uh, climbed right over there and decided to touch one of them with your bare human hands. And what happened? The lemur sneezed on me? Yep. A lot of animals don't sneeze normally, too. It's a very involuntary reaction. You gotta give it to me straight. Am I going to be okay? I don't know how much straighter I can give you this without with you still being able to understand. We don't know. What? You'll either die in this tent, or you will get better. But but there's like a, a cure or, or an anti-venom, right? This is that's not what an anti-venom is for. Allow me to repeat: you are going to get better or you are going to die in this tent. But I could like, I could like go home and stuff, right? No, you're going to survive or die in this tent. Can I get a McDonald's in here? Sure, whatever, you're gonna die in this tent. Welcome to the everyone and welcome back to Ruben Uncut. I am here once again with my friend Gato. How you doing Gato? I'm doing, doing pretty good. <laughs> um, getting re uh, ready to talk about some veterinary medicine again. <laughs> yeah I know. People love animals. Yeah. <laughs> they have very interesting ways of showing it sometimes is what I've learned but uh... <laughs> okay so maybe that's maybe that could be my first question 
what are some of the most ridiculous things that you've seen people do for their animals? Um, just like buying random supplements and diet trends that they see on the internet without researching it first. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned this on the on uh, the dogs episode, but we had this one guy who was like feeding his dog raw meat. And uh, the dog wasn't even two months old yet. Nah, you're not supposed to do that. That's why they make specific puppy food. Uh, But he did that because he read on the internet that if you feed them that, it's like uh, the dog is a feral animal again and it reaches like peak dogness or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and we... We had to explain to him, like, if you keep feeding your puppy raw meat, it is going to just start having (laughs) bloody diarrhea and it might die (laughs) because of not getting the proper nutrients that it needs for growth. Are you, are you, you know, I guess on a certain level, I shouldn't be surprised to hear that, like, the weird alpha male bullshit that goes into marketing supplements to men would also go into marketing supplements to their dogs. Yeah. And, uh, most of the guys out here, like there's exceptions of course, but like they all have really big dogs, like 60 pounds and up usually. Um, hillbillies love pit bulls by the way i don't know if a lot of people realize that like with the hip-hop stereotypes but now like pretty much every pit bull i've seen well not it's uh pit mixes are a little different but like just full-on fucking bully breed dogs they're always these like hillbilly type dudes they just like never get their dogs fixed even if they're not breeders Because uh, he would chop my balls off. I'm a man and my dog also likes getting pussy and drinking bush light. So, or whatever. So, yeah, a lot of that's just like yeehaw state kind of mentality. But uh, it probably happens other places. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I imagine like, uh, so do you, do you find that Oklahoma has a higher portion of toxic masculinity than other places you've lived? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I saw it when I lived in Kent too, but like that was mostly just from like bros and uh, like people I mean, it's that everywhere, really obviously. Yeah, 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 and like drunk people when I worked at that laundromat bar. Uh, also were pretty bad but uh but yeah oklahoma is where i but i never saw somebody emasculating their son at target in Kent. let's put it that way seen that here they just it, but uh it, it does like yeah it can get a little weird uh they all it's also like a cowboy thing like i'm one sixteenth Cherokee so I am in tune with nature and animals I don't need to take my dog to obedience classes and I don't need to get him fixed because I am in control of my animal and they never are Uh, (laughs) like I'm talking like dog starts growling the second I enter the exam room Uh, we can't even get a muzzle on it because it's like being aggressive with everybody including the client uh but uh the, yeah the guy the women can get pretty weird too though like especially breeders 
Okay. Uh, usually, there's a couple, like, there's this one lady that came in. I forget what kind of dog she was a breeder for. Uh, Labradors or some shit. But, like, uh, she just got a new dog. I don't think she's going to breed the dog or something. Or she got one of her retired studs fixed. I don't know. But either way, the uh, the dogs greeted each other by looking each other in the face. That standard dog behavior they do that to like welcome you into the pack like they'll do it to each other and that's why they do it to you <laughs> it's because like i acknowledge you as a member of my pack i will now lick your face <laughs> but uh this lady was talking about the dogs doing that and like oh they were making out like crazy yesterday it's like what the fuck lady like you're i it's one thing to like like uh and your pet might be like oh my dog also likes getting getting tail and being a hard ass but it's another thing to be like oh my dog is horny and likes fucking and and oh my god look they they think they like each other that's your new boyfriend like shit like that like only women do that shit <laughs> I guess, that, uh, I guess that lines up with the stereotypes. Um, I, but uh, yeah, uh, clients like that are in the minority for the most part. Usually, it's just average people bringing in their dogs for shit. Every now and again, we get like people from like between eighteen and twenty-two bringing in their like three thousand dollar dog that they saw on Instagram and all that shit. Um, is that a, you, is that a it, big? issue you run into now people choosing their dogs from social media yeah yeah it's mostly people who just moved out on their own they came from an upper middle class family so they got money so they live in a nice place that can and that allows pets and all that shit but like i don't know they it, I, it hasn't bitten any of them in the ass yet but there is, are like three young couples that are coming in that all got aussie shepherds and none of them look very athletic and those little guys you gotta walk them like three hours a day and give them something to do between walking them so they don't chew holes in the wall which they will do it's important to have a, the correct match <laughs> of dog to owner it's like it's just because Aussie shepherds like it's always the merle coat coloration that's the one it's like silver with little black and gray spots and then there's the light brown on the fucking limbs and shit um that's a very it used to be at least a very rare fur coloration that was very hard to come by and that's why a puppies that had that fur coat were so expensive just because like hey where else are you gonna find a fucking merle coat but now like they're getting bred like crazy and they're still charging the same amount so like you never see like just some like average middle class person come in with a fucking merle aussie it's always like somebody who's fucking loaded <laughs> so French like Bolton. that that is a thing to think about is that I, I i don't think people realize the fact that like like an average person probably thinks of like buying a like like some people they can get your dog for free if you know the right person. Yeah, <laughs> like, like just, um... Oh yeah, my dog got pregnant, we're giving rid of the puppies. Or you get them for like a couple hundred bucks at like uh your yeah, average pet store. But like there are some crazy expensive dog breeds out there. Yep. <laughs> Uh, most of like most of the reason that some of them are expensive is because they're imported. Like we had uh, this lady come in with an uh, uh, 
some kind of mountain dog. I forget what it's called right now. But uh, she imported it from Portugal because they don't exist out here. Wow. So you're paying for the dog, which, you know, breeder fee plus getting it vetted. And then you're paying to get it a plane ticket. <laughs> and then you're coordinating picking it up. <laughs> so, like, that's more money and time. But uh, they're always, in fairness, most of the ones that I've seen have been in really good physical condition. Like, they're not, they don't got heart murmurs and stuff, but because they're not bred in somebody's yard. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, just it's insane. Like spot upwards of like three thousand dollars. Sometimes people are paying for like a like a dog, and you're gonna, but you're gonna sink more money into when the breed specific health issues inevitably arise. Like, and, and what breed of dog was this again from Portugal? Uh, I was called like the uh, it was the something mountain dog, and it was oh the Estrella mountain dog. Wow. Yeah, I look it up. It looks just like you're you know it's what you picture and mountain dog looking like it's about up to your hip when it's full grown really thick hair that doesn't shed much and it was bred to protect sheep or something or whatever you know like so they're never bad dogs like i'm not saying like i'm just dreading having to see that dog again it's but uh but yeah it's just like i don't get how people who live in a state as uh lower income is uh where i'm at <laughs> have thirty five hundred dollars to piss away on a dog you know mm-hmm. i mean so do you okay so obviously people with families have dogs yeah but do you find that people with families or versus people who don't have children just have a dog do you find that they tend to treat their animals differently yeah because if the if it's like just a person with no kids like that dog is like getting their undivided attention um not to say that families are incapable of doing that it's just that i've noted and keep in mind this is all purely anecdotal evidence and i haven't looked into the data on this yet but um yeah if you've got kids though the dog's more probably more likely to be stressed out because little kids suck at animals (laughs) Like, I don't know if you ever watched a little kid pet a dog, but if you have and you know anything about, like, dog body language, it can be fucking terrifying. <laughs> it's like, they, they, you know, they outstretch their arms, walk straight at the dog, making eye contact, fucking petting its face with a just really probably too aggressive stuff. Like, Liv is already terrified of kids because there's two neighbor kids that, like, try to grab her tail without saying anything. And I have had... And there's been multiple times now where I've had to scoop up a little and be like, do not do that again. <laughs> do, um, do bigger dogs seem more tolerant of children? Yes. Um, I imagine it's much less terrifying for them. Yeah, yeah, because they, I think, like, because uh, they're bigger, so, like, they know that they're bigger than some other dogs. And, like, a kid, like, so if, like, a three-year-old runs up to, like, a fucking, like... Uh, a greyhound? like a greyhound or a german shepherd or something it might like it'll understand like oh this is a baby thing okay and they're so and usually they have thicker coats and like are have more like 
muscle to them so yeah. it doesn't hurt as much <laughs> and usually their and usually their fur is a little less likely to just fall out than my dog's is because she's this weird little lap dog mixture <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know we had like uh some family mainly the issue with families is a lot of them are like uh live in paycheck to paycheck and then they proceed mm. to adopt a dog and not just a dog a dog that's like 40 pounds and up so it needs to eat like a lot <laughs> and dog food isn't cheap anymore if you get like the stuff that's actually worth a shit for their uh health like um like i don't know for example when every time i have to buy food for uh my dog it's like 40 dollars <laughs> for a yeah. bag it's like that but that forty dollars lasts me like two or three months because she only eats fucking half a cup a day. <laughs> but if you've got a dog that's like forty between forty and seventy pounds or whatever, like the rule of thumb is half a cup per ten pounds of dog per day. So like, if you got a dog that's over sixty pounds, like you're gonna go through that food a little faster. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's the fucked up thing about society, man. We, we paywall the good food. Yep. If, like, yeah, you can, you can eat cheap, or you could eat food that's not garbage. Yeah, like, the, a lot, um, that's another thing that, uh, just, like, the corporate side of the veterinary industry is just, like, really scary to me in some ways. Um food companies being an example of that like uh that uh i think it was the rachel ray dog food or the or that blue brand like blue buffalo or like blue wilderness or whatever they um i'm pretty sure it was blue that did it but um they just straight up copy pasted perina's like information of like the formula of their food and like sales and shit and just used it in their shit Oh yeah, I think you. I think you told me about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and people believe it. And then, like, uh, the worst dog food from the perspective of the doctors I work with is called uh, Old Roy. Which the fact that it's called Old Roy should be like all you need to know about how not good this food is. <laughs> I haven't. But, I don't know if I've even heard of that one. This is a dog it, food you should avoid. Yeah, yeah. They. I've only ever seen it at Walmart. Hear, hear that everyone don't feed your dog old roy it yeah, is not good yeah it, it's like it's not gonna kill them but like it's deficient in a lot of like necessary vitamins and nutrients and it's mostly just a lot of grain to fill up the space and dogs aren't supposed to have a shitload of grain which is why you're not supposed to let your dog eat bread products either <laughs> which people still do all the time <laughs> <laughs> I have to deal with it. How omnivorous are dogs? Um, they're not. They're more omnivorous than cats are. Like cats, like pretty much, you cannot give them anything that isn't meat based. But dogs, like they can. There's some vegetables dogs can eat, but it's just a lot of like plant material has like chemical compounds in it that they cannot process because mm. they are still descended from these coyote, wolf looking things. Uh, and they still have some of that kind of DNA retained, but like like uh, grapes, don't give a dog grapes because yeah, I know that one. 
Uh, onions, that's another one. You're not, especially the skin. Um, it's, you, you shouldn't give a dog onions. Um, like most fruits, honestly, don't, don't give them the dog. <laughs> the only vegetable I know for sure has no, uh, like negative sides to the, on, on their digestion or anything like that is celery, but good luck getting a dog eat celery. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I see. <clears throat> I see sweet potato in a lot of animal food. Yeah, yeah. Sweet potato is good for digestion. So, like, if your dog has, like, GI motility issues or, like, uh, stomach problems, it, that that ma- makes it easier for them to, like, digest without puking it back up again. Uh, pumpkin, that's another thing. Oh, yeah, that's, an, yeah that's another one I've seen in some animal foods. I see in yeah. cat foods, which I – is that weird? like is it- nah not not really it's just that it can't be like it can there can be a little bit in there like i think pistols food like my cat has like there's like pea protein in there or something i don't know i haven't looked at the label in a while but but uh they the, like uh but by and large dogs are way more able to be uh omnivorous and cats are like cats can get very sick very quickly <laughs> yeah my my cat my cat is my cat is very weird and picky about food like so when i first got my cat um it would only eat one brand of dried food and the vet wanted me to get her on so, on the on the soft food the wet food and i but the thing is she hated it she wouldn't eat it and then i finally found out that she would kind of eat the chunks and gravy yeah that's like the pate that's very common actually oh really (laughs) yeah i mean cats being picky is already a common thing but uh, even dogs are like that too like uh, there's pate and stew and like if you, you present them with one see how they do but like usually it's either they won't touch one or they'll eat them both but one gives them the fucking shits for how it or colitis if it goes yeah and na- for too long and now it seems like she's slowing down on eating the dry food which is like i don't know i i don't know like she's she's starting to like will only eat the dry food like when absolutely hungry i don't know but it's weird uh and and for a while, there was actually a part where I got her to start eating the pate, but I had to like take a knife and like chunk it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if like they're just like the opposite of gourmet chefs, and they hate shaped food, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah no. So now she's in a onto a weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna go all. Maybe I'm gonna go all wet food now, which would be unfortunate because uh, expensive. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, uh, if you give them too much, like uh, wet food, it is bad for like in the long run, like after years and years and years of eating it, like it's bad for like renal function or something like that. I don't know. I guess, and, and a why lot of this. My vet, why is my vet always telling me I need to get them off the dry food, not of the wet food? The, I mean, cats are really weird though. They're like weird little aliens. Like their <laughs> GI health is all is just crazy in the amount of extremes that it has. Um, when, when I remember when I was in school, 
um, when we had our like nursing classes and pharmacology classes and stuff like that, like it came up over and over again how just insanely strange cats are for like their various aspects of their physiology. Like how they have to get their taurine from eating other animals. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the reason why they're uh, obligate carnivores. And then, uh, and like, and some textbooks will say like cats should not have dairy at all beyond, once they pass like eight weeks old because they don't have the necessary enzymes in their stomach to break down lactose anymore. And then there's other things that say like, oh no, cats should absolutely have a little bit of lactose. So like, that's that's the kind of annoying thing about veterinary medicine because a lot of this stuff lack is of just, agreement lack of agreement and then the study getting grants for studies is different than it is for human stuff so like there's a chance that just by complete happenstance all of most of the animals for one study uh we're all outliers for something and like it's it's just it's a lot because i had to read some a lot of veterinary scholastic articles and it's just the driest shit i've ever read <laughs> Dry, get her history um yeah kind of it's a different kind of dry though uh, fair enough <laughs> at least theater history like it, it, there, there's some things are at least kind of interesting or you understand that you have to get through to get the other things but vet med scholastic articles just just all dry like and it's and it has to be because it's written in different formatting too like most like vet med shit is written in uh in uh what like chicago or something i think no apa (laughs) so like apa it's just you do a you start the paper by summarizing the entire paper and then you write the paper <laughs> and every paragraph has to have a different subtitle and it, it's a, I, I don't know like there's been multiple papers that i've had to write for veterinary classes when i was in school that it took me longer to format it to apa than it did to actually write the paper wow. <laughs> and you were encouraged to sum it up as quickly as possible and you can't don't like try to make it fun because it's just you're conveying information to help other veterinary professionals <laughs> make decisions in their diagnostics. Like there's no room for like gonzo elements in there. <laughs> Unfortunately. What a shame. Could you could yeah. you imagine do you imagine if like animal medical books were a little bit more gonzo? Yeah. Animal. I get, I administered the ketamine to the animal. I it seemed to calm down. I administer some ketamine to myself next. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh man, hallucinating that violently when you're doing a procedure that requires a cat to be that heavily <laughs> sedated. <laughs> Fortunately, I couldn't feel the animal scratching me because of the ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do all my I do all my cat examinations on cat. That, that that does happen sometimes though. Like apparently at uh like that one of the classes I had to take in school was called uh veterinary practice management. And it's just about learning like how a vet 
hospital is run, like who, all, what all the physicians are, what they do, how you promote yourself, uh, community outreach and shit like that. In case we want to get into the management side of shit later when our knees and backs start giving up, <laughs> which is a thing that happens a lot. Of course. But um, the, <laughs> but, Shit, I already forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> I, I think, well, I, we, I just been talking about veterans, vet, veterinarians using their own ketamine. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, because the depression rates are so high in vet, in vet med, but especially in the nursing aspect of things, because we have to do like a lot for less money. <laughs> just like human nurses, yet human nurses are dicks to us for some reason. But uh, human nurses don't like vet techs. That's interesting. Oh, that's a that's a thing that we can talk about here in a second. But like, okay. uh, yeah, drug abuse is a big problem. <laughs> it's either alcoholism, drug abuse, like self harm, like all the stuff you'd think would be issues in the industry with high levels of depression. But uh, apparently, one hospital in uh, Tulsa, I forget which one, like they hired a new tech and or an assistant or kennel tech or something and uh they don't ask but uh <laughs> but uh she had she was like a recovering addict or something and i guess like after being on board for a year she uh broke into <laughs> the cabinet where all the scheduled narcotics were kept <laughs> and like just got like a fentanyl patch and some ketamine and like some uh like heavy heavy pre-operate pre-surgery sedatives and just like decided to do all of that in the bathroom real quick <laughs> and now every hospital in town has to have like safes to keep their scheduled narcotics in so that can't happen and so, like so what <laughs> animals are we giving fentanyl to uh, yeah that's like a post-surgery recovery like pain management uh, thing that makes it's sense. like a it's a slow release patch like we're not giving like tablets out for it um and like they vary in size based on patient weight and stuff and we just kind of use skin staples and just staple it to them and then they come back in and however long they need the fentanyl patch and then we take it off interesting but it's slow release like it's designed to not overdose a <laughs> an animal so this person like slapped that on and got frustrated with how long it took and just started like <laughs> started slamming everything else that they had and almost died so the whole state was like okay <laughs> god damn yeah but yeah it happens all over the place though. i guess just most states uh had the wherewithal to make legislation about that sooner than in oklahoma did i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I knew we. I knew there were. I knew there were some drugs that we gave animals. I didn't know about fentanyl, though. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I like am curious. I just, oh, oh, the uh, 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 human nurses being dicks thing. Yeah, like so. Like, is there like a weird like? So I know like there's his like there's like a almost I don't know if it's stereotypical, but like like there's a rivalry between police and firemen. Are you telling me that there's some type of like beef between vet techs and actual and human and human nurses yeah. yes because um i don't know for whatever reason human nurses like there are exceptions of course like if they're nurses for like a specialty it's a little different like we get like clients they're like that work for like heart 
specialists and vision specialists and stuff like that and they're fine but uh just the regular general practice nurses and especially the er nurses are dicks holy shit because like uh, that's part of the reason why the job is called veterinary technician it's because we want we're, we've been uh the veterinary industry has been been lobbying to get the job title switched from veterinary technician to veterinary nurse oh because it's less confusing for clients that way because if you tell a client i'm a technician they think like okay why is the person who's here to fix the soda machine working on my animal or whatever you know so mm -hmm. it's less and it's accurate too but they went with technician because human nurses were such a fucking bitch fit about it and uh it's technically an accurate title because sometimes and it varies from hospital to hospital but sometimes you're doing radiographs all by yourself or you're or you're doing anesthesia all by yourself so you're also a technician because you know how these machines work yeah mm -hmm. but uh yeah yeah they're just assholes like my hospital is not that bad but like i heard some stories from my classmates when i was still in school with the from the hospitals they worked at were like human nurses would come it uh they i've noticed that like human nurses would come in and then they said it would be like uh uh you guys call yourself nurses you're not a nurse that is isn't like usually they just like get a little like how dare you and then they leave it at that and they're just pissy with you the rest of the time but i've heard about some that like go on the side like how dare you you're not a nurse you, you you're just working on dogs and cats i work with human beings with families but if they, we don't do something right they die it's like yeah dude so do we though <laughs> It's just our patient, it, it, which is funny because they like to like, like uh, bitch and moan about like, oh, I put in so much work, even though we do the same shit that they do. We go through all the school and then have to take national and state certification tests and have to register with the federal government that this is our job and this is where we work. <laughs> <laughs> we can be if we fuck something up with best case scenario we get fired worst case scenario you go to prison <laughs> it's all the same shit but for some it, it, but but like human nurses can pick like a specialization and work that and only get tested on that vet techs have to learn everything like when i was in school i knew going in i want to work with cats and dogs I have no desire to work large animal medicine or exotics because they're both just terrifying and strange to me. <laughs> but I still had to take classes, but I was still out there at 6 a.m. at a ranch plugging cattle filled with back with this giant fucking needle gun full of vaccines, just slamming them into cattle's neck for three hours. I still had to go to the zoo and pretend to care about herpetology. <laughs> I still had to do all, I still had to learn all this shit. And when I take this, the fucking national boards again, I'll have to, there's a good chance that shit from other fields is going to be on the test and I still have to know it or I fail it again. <laughs> Damn. So really, we do more than the human nurses do. <laughs> but they're like, but and and also and also no vet tech that you talk to is gonna have any delusions that they understand anything about human medicine. But when nurses come in, they think that they know more than you do, and they think the shit that like from people medicine transfers over to dogs, which it does not. <laughs> 
I mean, just vitals alone, Jesus Christ, a cat, a cat's heart can beat 240 beats per minute and still be health and still be considered normal. <laughs> wow. That's that's pretty wild. And they don't know that shit. Like I've had it happen. Like a nurse will bring in their animal and they're like, oh, he's you know doing whatever the fuck. And and they're like, I think it's this. And like it's something that I never learned ever affecting a dog or a cat ever. And like, okay, dude, maybe I'm just I'm just trying to gather history, guy. I'm I like don't <laughs> don't be a dick. But then uh, I I don't say that, but I think it like, very very aggressively because they just it's never fun. But <laughs> and then when I would tell like uh, one time, someone one of them brought their cat in, and I I list I they were like, oh, I think it has like some like some kind of pulmonary issue. And I was like, no, her lungs sound fine. Uh, they're like, what about her heart rate, though? What's her heart rate? I was like, I don't know, man, like 200 something. <laughs> like it's beating really fast and it purrs <laughs> on top of that. So it kind of throws the count off a little bit. But it's like, what? Why aren't you getting the crash cart right now? 200 plus beats. It's like, it can be up to 240. And then there's wiggle room after that for excitement. <laughs> And they're like, what? Really? No way. Like, yeah, man. I went, yeah, can you believe it? It's almost like I went to school for this shit for two years. <laughs> My understanding is that smaller animals do have faster heartbeats. Yeah, yeah. And um the it's because like they're small, and so it doesn't it's easier for them to get worked up really easily. Like small dogs, I have yet to have a small dog that had a heart rate in the healthy parameters because <laughs> they get so excited. That is, and that's why uh also why hair loss will happen during appointments is because uh when animals get stressed or very excited their follicles loosen interesting it, it, <clears throat> but the uh, human nurses uh i don't i think one time for an ultrasound we had a nurse that was just like being an asshole but yeah mostly it's just like they're just really pissy about nurses that work with animals like having the same title as them for whatever reason even though veterinary ERs do exist uh, and also our patients can't fucking talk so <laughs> everything is just based on like what the person who knows nothing is telling us and what we can figure out based on what we see. So I wanted to ask, so um, do you have, are there any, have you ever, have you ever seen any enough of your, any of your clients enough to like bond with any of them? Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so like what's uh, I mean, you, I don't know if you can share the animal's name, but that's a weird of a statement as that is, but like, what are some what are some animals that you have uh, grown close to as a, as a vet tech? Uh, most uh, they're mostly dogs from a patient standpoint. Like, I've gotten close to some cats, but most of the cats I get close to are ones that were boarding with us for a weekend while their parents are out of town or whatever. Um, let's see, uh, there's been a bunch of dogs that come in that I've known since they had their first puppy appointment. And it's like you were, that's like a dogs remember that shit. Like, cause there's a bunch of dogs that just get way too excited when they see me because they know who I am. 
uh and then the, and i i like uh part of uh what we call fear free method of uh practice uh involves the text like petting the patient when there's no like active examination going on and i guess i'm really good at petting animals because they're all the most of them just to like fucking love me when we're done um but it's like but even after that it's 50 50 whether they're nice to me when they come back <laughs> but uh, but yeah yeah like the, yeah there's some patients that i cannot do appointments with because they are their obedience training just goes right out the window and i walk in because they remember me from when they were babies <laughs> usually they are the larger breeds of dogs too so that can get so you know 80 pound german shepherd be like oh my god hi i know you <laughs> disregarding all obedience training is entirely different from a Found dog doing that, but yeah, yeah, and and uh, I haven't, and like, yeah, there's been some times where like patients I know die, like that's yeah, and then I have to like, so when I find out they get put down, it's like, oh shit, like, and then I have to adjust to that. That's part of the reason why depression rates are so high because you do get close to the patients that you see all the time, and they get sick and they die. And, or and sometimes they get like hit by a car or something and you never know. And it's, <laughs> and do you have any you have, favorite patients? Oh yeah, sure. Um, there's a, um, a German shepherd that I've known since he was a puppy that I like to see when he comes in. He's one of the ones I don't get to work his appointments anymore because he gets too excited and they can't get anything done. Um, but yeah, he, he uh, like I was there. I I assisted with his C-section, <laughs> so oh, I have wow. literally known that dog since he was born. <laughs> wow! And then uh, every now and then we'll get like strays that some uh, client that's a friend of the practice brings in, and usually we try to avoid fostering if we can, just because it takes up a run or a kennel that could go to a patient that comes in um but uh you that uh there's been a couple of those i've bonded with and then one of our clients will end up adopting them or somebody off the somebody that doesn't come to our hospital will adopt them and then they start coming in so we get to see them all the time um but yet uh, my favorite dog is that german shepherd that comes in and then my favorite cat patient uh that i see sometimes he's due to get fixed soon i think so that'll be interesting <laughs> but but uh yeah like yeah that, that that's part of the, of the reason why depression rates are so high because you get like really really close to them especially when you do what i do which is when i don't have anything to do i'll go wander around the wards and see who's in there <laughs> if there's a dog especially if it's a dog like cats like you can't really handle them too much depending on what the your facility is like mm -hmm. <laughs> or the cat's temperament yeah. yeah yeah like cats get burned out on interaction a lot quicker than dogs do <laughs> but yesterday um i i had to cover a kennel tech shift and that's like the hardest hardest grunt work job that any veterinary practice has as far as like physically demanding because like you're on your feet the whole time like everybody else but you have to deal with dogs that are way bigger than you and also they're stressed out because this isn't their house and they don't understand why they're there <laughs> and you
and you've got and usually the candle texts are the ones that administer the meds they're the ones that oversee feeding uh cleanliness of patient lodging and all that so like it's just being a janitor combined with being like a nurse tech sort of combined with being a like a dog walker combined with being like it's just any other thing that anybody else who works at the hospital cannot do because we are very busy doing <laughs> something else um there's this rottweiler puppy um that is getting to that age where he's starting to kind of like puberty's kicking his ass right now like he, so he's like really like yeah <laughs> uh, and, and of course the, the, his, his the client wants to breed him out so they're not fixing and rottweilers are already like pretty uh excitable dogs and they and like they can get violent like most dog like uh, i don't get why pitbulls get such a bad rap like rottweilers like fuck people up all the time because they're so i mean which is what they were bred to do they're bred to be guard dogs so if they see like a dog they don't know or a person they don't know or like they'll be like hey, fuck you <laughs> but like if you get they're one of those breeds you have to get on them immediately with like socialization and obedience training and like keep on it all the time never let up because it, and if you do then they're perfectly great dogs and they're like very friendly and affable and and all and all that but if you fuck up even one time rottweilers become like just best case scenario large idiots <laughs> just but, uh, this puppy that's in there he's starting to get big he's already like 40 something pounds and uh i and i worked his very first puppy appointment so he's on that like hey i know you thing so uh, whenever i would walk by i'd start like crying and begging for attention so eventually i didn't have shit to do for 10 minutes so like okay yeah i'll hang out with him for a little bit so like, i went into his run with him and that seemed to be fine he just you know did regular rottweiler stuff like be very aggressively friendly <laughs> and not understand how big he is so he's like hey how come i can't curl up in your lap what the, what, what the what's the problem here oh well <laughs> like um since he's a boy dog and they aren't getting him fixed uh, eventually when i stood up to leave he fucked my leg oh boy <laughs> And that became a thing the rest of the day. <laughs> he kept trying to hump your leg. Yeah, he, like or like I would let him out to like because that like the you ha the way we do kennels is like you let all of the dog borders out into like penned off runs, and then while they're in there, you clean if necessary, top off their water, give put it put, put food or meds in there. And then leave them out for a little bit to make sure that they evacuated their bowels and and their uh, bladders and all that. And then you let them back in, let them back in as easily as you can. Uh, when I would open the door to let this particular uh, uh, Rottweiler out, he would immediately run up, fuck my leg. The entire rest of the day, I was there for nine hours. Oof. And he was a puppy, and uh, for some reason, his I guess the clients have like work long hours and don't get home to like seven or so every night, so they don't feed their dog multiple times a day. It's just one giant meal at the end of the day, and then they do physical shit with him. 
in like obedience training because like he does understand commands and like he's not violent he likes pe- he, he likes people a little too much based on the fact he's fucking my leg <laughs> but but like it, that's one of the behaviors that you have to immediately discourage because it's common like all puppies do it like mostly guy dogs yeah. obviously but, I, I remember uh my parents uh italian greyhounds uh would do that before they were fixed yeah like it's it's a play thing like they do that when they're playing with each other and then the older they get it becomes like a dominance thing my uh my dad had a uh my dad had a pug and he um the pug had we i don't know where i forget where we got it but essentially we had this spongebob square pants doll and the the lady pug would just aggressively hump this thing like <laughs> thinking of a pug doing that's funny <laughs> like like i don't know i don't know what it was about but like every once in a while i'll just be like it, it, it would it would dominate this spongebob doll was it a talking spongebob doll no, too? <laughs> just a, just a large it like like honestly it's like this like honestly it's like this big uh and it's just wow. a really big stuffed spongebob and, and like so you would just see her going to town on it that's the other other thing is a is a girl pug too yeah yeah yeah, i mean the urge is there regardless but um (laughs) they make uh uh fake dogs for that now that you can buy for your dog so they can hump it really and sometimes they double as a semen collection uh devices so so you're telling me that this isn't just like a plushie that's safe for them to hump this thing has like a it is like component basically yeah it's like a fleshlight sex doll thing for dogs uh, it, <laughs> they are very of course expensive we have that. of course well, we have that well i mean yeah it, it makes sense especially my dog's horny of course i got him a flesh dog <laughs> i can't keep buying new pairs of pants every three weeks <laughs> But they have the it's one good enough for me after my divorce, and it's good enough for him. To... <laughs> uh, yeah, dogs are, are like cats don't do that, cats don't hump each other as a friendship prank or a <laughs> or like a dominance thing. Cats will just fight, <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever seen cats uh do sex to each other, but it's fucking I've terrifying. Not. It's like it's like a fight like a fight yeah that's just how they do it like that's uh the, like the guy cat will like bite the girl cat's neck and sometimes she'll bite his neck too and they just they're screaming the whole time it, it's about, yeah that's why uh you don't see it that's why there aren't as many pure breed cats because uh it's hard to find cats that want to have sex with each other because <laughs> that just the act of sex alone is like violent <laughs> god damn what the fuck is up with cats i don't know see like yeah cats are cats are weird <laughs> it adds a lot of context to like in like movies and tv shows where people are joking about cats being like loud when they're having sex it it, it, it adds context to that yeah that's part of the reason why uh it's okay like uh, cats are supposed to get fixed sooner than dogs are <laughs> like cats you can 
I mean, you can do it as soon as their uh, testicles descend, but like there's still the element of they, you know, healthy growth mm. and stuff like that that only those hormones that are produced by the testicles can provide. But uh, cats will start marking real quick, so you got to be on that. Also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, male cats once they hit a certain age have this certain odor to them. I haven't I haven't noticed it no. It it smells kind of like piss. But <laughs> but yeah that it that's just how Is they smell. What, wait, are male cats most of what you're smelling in those like when you go to a person's house and it smells really like cat if you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's male yeah, guy cat piss is rank. Holy like it's shit. way worse than than girl cat piss. Yeah. Wow. Like like girl cuz there's like pheromones and shit in there too so like in girl cats like they have them too but for whatever reason it's just like i don't know my cat's a girl and i just when i smell cat cat piss it just smells like urea like that regular ammonia urea smell but guy cats oh my god it smells like just cabbage and fucking like It, it, like so parts of it remind me of like when we lived in germany what like restaurant bathrooms would smell like I, it's just it's weird how guy cat piss smells to be clear to any listeners that are not familiar with gato uh gato was actually uh gato was actually from uh from europe originally and yeah. uh, his family lived on military bases yeah 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 and one of them was uh, in Germany, apparently. Yeah, we lived in Germany for a little while, so my dad could get some training for a job he was trying to get. <laughs> and we, we stayed there for a little bit. But, I mean, that it's not just Germany that has terrible smelling pay toilets every, every year. That's just, that's that's a European invention right there. <laughs> I've heard bad things about the ones in Italy. Oh, Italy. I've never been to Italy, but I've heard some bad things. France is fucking horrible, too. Like, that's why Paris smells like piss because people get because like they you gotta pay to go in there yeah. and people like don't want to pay like however many euros to take a piss they just piss in the street <laughs> so. See, that's why you can't paywall everything in society yeah people won't if people gotta pee they gotta pee also like a bunch of buildings in europe are really old and so is the plumbing and a lot of the buildings in europe since it's europe and the history of them having those buildings goes back hundreds if not thousands of years uh it is you can't just switch out the pipes because the building is so old that by doing that you risk the whole thing collapsing and then also (laughs) There are historic buildings in some places like Germany is really bad about this. That's one of the things I remember. Um, there's entire like villages in Germany where like the roofs are still thatch roof. Wow. And so if you've got a leaky roof, you can't just call up a roofer real quick. You have to go to the city government, tell them what's happening, and then you get put on a waiting list for the specialist roofers that come in that know how to fix thatch roof. And you can't not have thatch roof because tourism. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, yeah, oh man, yeah, Europe is uh, that, that's the downside to the oh the high fantasy stuff with like the, the all, all that. Yeah, the, the I live in that... I live in a village with a castle. What's it like? Well, you know, it's not bad when the roof's not leaking. <laughs> 
and and especially since this is germany too so it's like way the fuck up in the mountains all the time snows and rains all the time it's cold most of the year so if you got a hole in your straw roof it fucking sucks (laughs) and we didn't have that issue our shit was like i don't know if it's still like that but germany was very into like the closest thing i can think to compare the roof tiles to is like adobe type stuff like you see in like arizona or like west or like west texas or something it, yeah so but so we had that we just had to worry about like if the hail got really big it might shatter the roof tiles because they were also like some kind of ceramic i don't know you're Damn. fucking europe dude and then like uh weird random shit like uh corduroy car interior was a thing for a while uh, i don't i think it's phased out now but like uh when we lived in Germany, my dad just was buying these just fucking beaters off of like German hillbillies because he thought he was saving money somehow doing that. And uh, I remember he had this mustard yellow Volkswagen Beetle that was made in like, who knows when those things were in for fucking ever, but it had corduroy interior, like mustard, like just mustard, brownie, mustardy color. And then inside it was chocolate brown corduroy and it was just the worst feeling in summer like having that rubbing up against your leg all day yeah (laughs) to this day i have an aversion to corduroy i cannot fucking stand it (laughs) i I never will own anything corduroy because i think one time like i had my dad also is a shitty driver he still is because europe (laughs) but uh he used to there was this stretch of hill in uh uh Nusluch where we lived that there was no speed limit and it lasted like however many it, it was barely half a kilometer but like you could still gun it as fast as you wanted and at the time he had that bug and like it, it would get scary sometimes because like this was before they required all the roads to have like guardrails and oh. it's a fucking mountain road so it's winding and it's just dude. like like you will die if you fall off this road dude that was the worst part about driving through west virginia is they have parts of the yeah. mountain yeah, roads Virgin- that are like that it's, yeah, yeah and it's then the speed limit will be like 70 miles an hour yeah. it's like what yeah all the hillbillies can do it because they grew up on those roads but like yeah but like yeah having my you know my half drunk belgian <laughs> driving quarter mile home from the store gunning it and like i was digging my fingers into the seat because there's no like handle mm-hmm. in like old those old vw's but like it got just the feeling of the corduroy under my fucking nails just like fucked me up somehow so <laughs> I don't know. I, I just cannot stand corduroy. See, corduroy is now traumatic. I, I have I have never seen corduroy interior in a car since <laughs> that car. Well, I feel like there's a reason for that. Yeah, like it's, there's a reason it's for that. Horrible. But yeah, but oh man, I don't even. I'm trying to remember how many beaters my dad went through in Germany. But there's the beetle. There was, oh man, there was like two or three Mercedeses. And by the way, Mercedes is a German car. <laughs> and they're not considered like prestigious over there. 
it's just like it's like a fucking like nice ford basically to german people and those they oh man that that, that thing like just the and i'm pretty sure they looked like something they were all like they looked exactly the same the only difference was what color the outside was <laughs> so they, i'm fairly certain like just something about it like didn't seem right to me like how eerily similar all the cars were I, i'm sure those were probably like just east german post-war cars that my dad was driving around and just destroying somehow <laughs> because he because he didn't speak a word of german by the way he knew French oh, wow. and English. He knew French and English. That's it. So, like he's just hoping these how's Germans. He even, how's he even talking to German hillbillies? Like, how many German hillbillies know French or English? I mean, some knew some English just from like movies and TV. That makes but, sense. Like, but it's just stuff you would hear in movies and TV, though. So it's not going to be like. So it's just be like, yeah, it's good. It's totally. It's a great car. Totally same. <laughs> Give me some. Yeah, give me it's, some. it's good, motherfucker. Yeah, das ist good. Yuppie cowboy. Just like just Germans. Like, any other Germans, even the most hillbilly Germans ever, sound like they're knowing what they know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's just the, one of the privileges of the accents. <laughs> but, but, oh, man, yeah, that's it. And uh, oh, speaking of Europe, they are working on a kind of uh, preventative out in Europe that's supposed to like last way longer than any of the shit we got here. Preventative for what? <laughs> like fleas and ticks and heartworms oh, and shit like okay. that. Well, hey, because... you know, if it works, cool. It'll get here yeah. eventually, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a another Europe. Europe's really been doing a lot of shit. Like we still get stuff shipped to us to like to our hospital that's like made in europe or like japan or something because it's, it's starting to get better but like yeah yeah the vet uh, vet med got fucked by their supply chains during covid too makes sense it's like that's another thing i think about a lot is like i cut my teeth in this business during co like peak covid like that that was so so like that's why um, I don't really participate in any like uh, veterinary forums to like give advice to new people or anything like that because it's like fuck dude <laughs> like, I don't know what it's like now I just know what it was the dystopian shit I went through when I was in school like because uh, um, like that's the thing it's not like uh, other kinds of science where you can we're just like a demo over zoom will be sufficient like you have to get your in there and like learn shit hands-on so when i got into the program like a couple weeks later like we are still waiting to hear back from the school as to whether you'll have labs or not yeah. if if you do get to have labs then you will learn all of your skills as necessary if not we have to tell like all these governing bodies so they can work out alternatives <laughs> Because so just the entire time I'm in there, like I might not learn a thing or I might learn a thing in a really stupid way because I can't be in a medical facility learning it for myself. But they did eventually, um, the school did allow it, but you could only be in the building if you had class that day. You couldn't just come in to study or hang out. Masks all the time. 
uh, wipe down your your entire area in the in the lab or, or classroom before and after everything. There was a I don't know they they had them have have them like all over the place, but like that was the first time I saw a, a temperature checking thing that talked to you. And having to like it also like since it's a female dominated industry, they had it set to like average female height, and I'm like six two, so I would have to like crouch so they could get my forehead. And you and uh, eventually it got so worn out from having to be on all the time that uh, if you had a hat on in the winter when it's cold, or if you just had long hair, you had to move it out of the way of your head, or it wouldn't be able to read through your hair or hat or whatever. And it would just be like, please come closer. Temperature is normal. Elevated temperature seek help now like it, it's just like so disturbing and then like some days like people would just come in sick and it could have just been like a seasonal allergies or it could have been fucking covid but they had to treat it like it was covid <laughs> so they would be like oh my god everybody out of the room we gotta redo the entire lab now because this person came in sick and <laughs> And then they would lecture us frantically, like, don't, if you think you might be sick, don't come to school. Also, don't miss school ever. Or you don't learn a critical skill. <laughs> Lur, we, no, we don't know how to balance these conflicting messages for you. Yeah. But, like, um, okay, I got to, all right, hold on. I got to, I got to take, I got to take a pee break. Okay. That's uh, I, can, I should probably do that too. I was like, <laughs> probably a good idea. All right, we'll be back in a minute. All right. And we're back. Back, back, back. Uh, All right. So I was thinking, while I was using the restroom, that uh, you know what people might, some of our listeners might be interested in is, uh, what are some weird animal facts? Weird animal facts? Um... Well, there's a lot. Most of them have to do with anatomy or psychology. But, um, trying to think of some good ones just off the top of my head. Um, horses can't vomit. Interesting. They have no. They have no way to vomit. Yeah, they they, they just physically cannot vomit. So that that ma- that makes uh, treating certain things difficult and stuff, which is what, part of the reason why I hated large animal nursing tests so much because it's like fuck i don't remember <laughs> um, but, um uh um you're allowed to own exotic animals as pets <laughs> and there's little to no regulations in uh oklahoma and texas i know for sure have very few you just have to tell the government that you have them uh, um, raccoons are the vectors for like a bunch of different diseases so you're not supposed to touch them with your hands <laughs> without it's a glove on um same thing with most exotic animals, actually. Like, if you don't wash your hands before and after, you run the risk of just, like, dying a slow, painful death. <laughs> Some sort of disease. Um, like, we saw wow. during my exotic animal nursing course, like, we had to go to lecture at the zoo. 
which is weird because most of it was centered around like uh care for animals that their facilities were under construction at the Tulsa Zoo so we couldn't go into the facility like we were supposed to but for some reason we still had to go to lecture at the zoo which was really annoying <laughs> but uh, yeah they chose pictures of like the people that like actually do medical stuff to like chimps and gorillas and stuff and they're all we basically wearing fucking hazmat suits because they, they they carry so much things that can just kill you so fast <laughs> god damn and like uh, sedation and anesthesiology, like you have to be quick with even, it. Even these animals that are living in a controlled environment. Yeah, and uh, there's a bunch of shit they have to worry about. Like the, a lot of the reasons you see like high fences around a zoo or like weird like netting is to keep out certain species of birds and insects because mostly like the non-indigenous uh, wildlife can get very sick and die. And you don't want that because uh, a lot of the stuff we know about physiology of wild animals comes from researchers at zoos. Interesting. Which is why I am now very, very annoyed when I hear people be like, oh, zoos are so fucked up. They should be wild and free. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe, guy. But a lot of the reasons a lot of species of animals aren't completely extinct right now is because of zoos. And how do you think we know shit about what the inside of like a fucking gorilla or a tiger looks like? It's because they were at zoos, dude, and they die. And when a zoo animal dies, you have to, by federal law, do an autopsy. That is most of what veterinarians that work at zoos do. They're not like, what do you think? Fucking Jane Goodall sitting down on the ground in the woods knows what fucking diseases kill gorillas in mass. No, she just knows about fucking psychology and like their social hierarchies and shit. Like in mating seasons and whatnot. She doesn't know shit about physiology, probably. Like that's not her area of focus. Like though, and the way that we know shit about that is from zoos. Wow. <laughs> like most of the conservation funds are sponsored by zoos or were started by zoos <laughs> most of the animals you see in a zoo grew up in the zoo <laughs> if you put them out in the wild again they will die <laughs> like, that has happened before like apparently like uh some zoo somewhere it's another terrifying thing we learned in large in a exotic animal class had a bunch of like orangutans i think and they decided they couldn't afford either they couldn't afford to take care of them anymore or they got all they needed out of researching them so they just let them loose out in borneo or, or somewhere and within like two weeks all of them were dead because they didn't know how to function in a like colony of orangutans like they so they were making all these faux pas pissed off all the other orangutans and murder Jesus. apes murder each other a lot by the way <laughs> they have wars dude like they go to war with each other wow yeah jane goodall actually did uh chronicle a war between two factions of chimps that she observed in an area Wow. That's... That was an 
that that was one of the good things that Jane Goodall did is like learn about that kind of shit. But like for some reason, but nobody talks about the chimp war that happened <laughs> in the seventies. Like it was fucked up. Like she watched all of it, and like they were like doing just brutal like bludgeoning like they know how to use tools like they just aren't as good at it as humans are so because they haven't needed to be because most apes are arboreal <laughs> but like except gorillas because they're too fucking big to go up in trees but uh yeah like they would just they would celebrate after killing a certain champ like by like woo, like doing the stuff that she had figured out it's like that's what they do when they're happy they did that after killing one like they group up on each other like yeah they they have the same like mental workings that humans do like they they steal shit from each other they commit like various assault on each other <laughs> wow they they disown each other if somebody does something to piss another one off and it's like a higher ranking primate and they are they kick they just kick them out or kill them <laughs> yeah that's and that's another reason why uh you don't ever interact with an ape or a, or a old world monkey or whatever without it being heavily heavily sedated because they can fuck your life up and we don't still don't fully understand their like social cues um smiling is something they, that chimps do to show submission like they do like hey don't kill me it's okay i acknowledge that you're smarter than me but we do it to prove that we're not a threat which is kind of part of why they do it but like yeah we do that shit like <laughs> we we have the same same kind of when the chimp looks pissed off it looks very similar to when a human's pissed off um if you stare at if, if it, one ape stares at another ape they, one of the, the ape getting stared at gets mad <laughs> just like with humans if you go to like a bar right now and start staring at somebody they're probably gonna fight you <laughs> Or get very uncomfortable and leave, which is exactly what happens in ape and old world monkey colonies all the fucking time. Which uh, I already felt this way, but going through exotic animal nursing class just cemented further my people like, I ain't no animal, I ain't no ape. Like, yeah, you are, dude. You absolutely 100% are. And that's uh, why I encourage many people to get to get into this industry. If you want to do it, go for it. Like there's more than enough gut checks to make you have a have a very very thorough moment of contemplation about whether you want to stay in this business or not. Trust me, there is at least one of those a day <laughs> in working into practice or going to school which can be very daunting if you like me, if like me you go in there with absolutely no veterinary experience outside of a few hours volunteering at a shelter just to see if you can handle being around piss and shit all the time which is what i did <laughs> wow man okay so that that is some that's some fascinating. That is some fascinating stuff about the chimpanzees, and it really makes you wonder, like, because like, you never see people. Th that makes it sound like, like ninety percent of the time you ever witness people interacting with it, with with like, any type of primate, they are not taking any of the <laughs> proper safety precautions. 
Yeah, yeah. Like uh, that's why when you go to a zoo, the apes are never close up to the glass hardly because people will just go right up to them and stare at them, and and they understand that there's glass there. So like they know like well I can't fuck you up so fuck you dude I'm just gonna leave. (laughs) But people don't realize that like yeah if it's same thing with tigers and like a lot of shit most animals do not like being stared at up close. not even just that, but like the hazmat suits and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like because you will die. Like they showed us footage of some guy who got like some kind of airborne virus from like a gorilla, and he was like coughing up blood. He couldn't even talk because his like entire throat was just full of blood and fluid, and he died like real slow over the course of four days. And, and like his skin started started getting like really necrotic looking, and like he, they had oh, to God. like put him. They had to put him in a tent. Because oh. if it, because zoonotic diseases like that, I mean, other he's, that guy's still contagious, and if they don't understand fully what he has yet, he might stay contagious forever. And the doctors can't, and we can't have doctors doing that and spreading it to everybody else, or we'll die, or the whole species will die. So uh, yeah, yeah, hazmat suits all the time when you're working with you do not handle fucking primates or monkeys without some kind of gloves on and some kind of respirator and stuff because they'll get sick from you and they're in like odds are stuff that we get isn't stuff that they get so their body has no fucking clue how to fight those those fucking virus cells you know so and that's part of the reason why they have the nets up because like animals can spread shit to each other sometimes (laughs) and kill everything like if if a uh they they told us a story about how some koi fish that a zoo somewhere had in like the Asia area of their zoo, mm-hmm. all of their koi fish died and they didn't look into it. They just, you know, disposed of the fish. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a virus spread and like took out like a shit ton of like snakes and stuff like that or something. And like they lost like so much money <laughs> because they didn't look into why all their koi fish died all of a sudden. Wow. It was some kind of disease that could spread from the fish to the to the snakes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, the other side of that coin, the zoo animals have shit. They, they can spread to local animals that the local animals have no w- way of fighting off in, with their immunities. So, <laughs> so that's why like zoos are such like important things. So we can learn about shit like that, <laughs> and also and also the whole like conservation effort thing that I uh, highlighted earlier. But uh, luckily, I don't have to deal with that because I just got into companion animal medicine like most people who go to school <laughs> to be a veterinary medicine. Like most people just want to work with cats and dogs. Like that's, And then you get, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, especially where I, or I went to school out here in Oklahoma, we're all, a bunch of cowboy type people everywhere. Like there's plenty of people who went there because I want to work with horses and cows and pigs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, there is a nationwide also another thing that I strongly encourage anybody who is even sort of considering getting into vet med to pursue it. Uh, there is a worldwide shortage, not just in the United States, everywhere. There's a worldwide shortage of any kind of veterinary job you can think of. Like receptionists, doctors, um, techs, assistants. 
uh, like lab like lab people who do nothing but work it look at blood and piss samples all day any job is understaffed every veterinary hospital pretty much in the world but especially in the united states is so understaffed <laughs> because so many people adopted animals during quarantine <laughs> and all those do- which is great because that means the shelters got all their charges out and uh, more more animals are getting homes but it, that means more animals also need to go to the vet now and more people are just breeding dogs in their backyard more people are adopting those dogs in the yard because <laughs> since so many people had time at home they're like i'm lo- lonely animals are company holy shit animals are fucking just great i better adopt five more of these (laughs) or whatever and now we got and we're picking up the pieces like went a little crazy with the with the hamsters there jim yeah but but uh so when i was doing my internship i was I heard horror stories about other people's internships and summer practicums and whatnot where like they barely got to do anything because there wasn't enough work to go around and like all the people who actually worked at the hospital wanted to do it because fuck you intern (laughs) you don't even work here (laughs) but when I was an intern or doing my or or, uh, practicum student whatever whatever word you want to use uh exact opposite way too much work to go around please <laughs> have at it do as many exam room appointments as you want we need to like i think there was maybe two days on my practice during my practicum where we had more than half an hour without some kind of appointment or something that needed to get done and it's still busy as shit like the one of the doctors i work with has been a practicing veterinarian since 1984 and he says this is the busiest he has ever been his entire career. Wow. Yeah. So there's like so, a lot going on in the animal industry right now. Which is why, please, please go to school and become a veterinary technician or a doctor. Because not only that, uh, especially if you're a uh, person who's into horses and cows and shit, they are having even more of a shortage than companion animal medicine because most people who want to be uh, techs and doctors now want to work with dogs and cats because, surprise, surprise, no one wants to work outside (laughs) knee-deep in shit with a bunch of, like, loud, violent, thousand-pound animals. You got to be built different for that job. Yeah. Yeah. You have to either grow up in it or just be really, really passionate about it as a labor person, which is uncommon, but still happens. Uh, Oh my God. The large animal labs just crack dawn just outside in Oklahoma. So it's either hot and humid or like just windy and like just cold did you ever have to like trim uh trim hooves no we just had a demo for that because it's so dangerous yeah we had a we had a farrier come in and like work on the horses that we rented from oklahoma state is that what the is that what the animal foot doctors are called the farriers uh no the farriers are somebody who's just it's their job to like file down the hooves without hurting the animal's foot because basically if a horse's foot or leg gets too fucked up you have to kill it because they, they, they can't 
it takes them for they can lie down and stuff but like it takes them forever to get back up again because they're so big and their legs are so skinny uh have you ever yeah have you ever seen any of these videos of like when they like clean out cow hoof infections and stuff yeah yeah we had to watch that for large animal classes i've also witnessed a lot of random shit like that just from like the labs we had to do like on-site labs uh oh man large animal surgery holy shit like dude like that's the reason there's a shortage dude no one wants to do it like even like the low stress quote unquote large animal jobs are still like equine hospitals where it's big money getting thrown around if you fuck up they're gonna tell all their rich friends you fucked their horse up and no one's gonna come to you anymore and, but all the and all the equipment you need is really expensive because it has to be able to withstand a horse and then all of the medications you have to order are really expensive because it has to be a dose for a horse. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's very high stress. And like it, it, your average equine surgery lasts like five hours. Whew. Because especially if it's like an exploratory procedure for like their GI tract or something, like a horse's intestines are like, there's so much intestine in there. Like you pull them and you got to pull it all out they have like special table things to put the entrails on while they're looking around this live animal or something that might be causing obstruction or whatever or and, and like i mean when i when i went to an equine hospital as part of a large animal nursing course my very last semester at school and we were there from 7 a.m to about 2 and we didn't even do a surgery. All we did was just prep a horse, knock a horse out, intubate, and, and put the horse under general anesthesia. And then just, that was it. And then we had to wake the horse up. And so that's all that we did. And it took that long to do it. Wow. We didn't even, cut, we didn't cut the horse at all. So you throw in recovering from getting cut up on top of that. Like, and you cannot leave the horse alone you have to wait for it to wake up and you can't be around it when it wakes up so they had these like weird bunker things that you get into and you just like climb a ladder and peek up they go okay he's not up yet it's like oh my god he's stirring everybody get climb the ladder and get back into the padded room the horse is in so it doesn't snap all its legs and die <laughs> and like oh man and it's just like yeah yeah dogs and cats is fine (laughs) so so on the show rick and morty i don't know i don't know if you watched that show or not but oh yeah the the uh uh the mom is a horse surgeon yeah Yeah, that's that's not a silly outlandish cartoon thing that's a job you can have well the question i wanted to ask (laughs) is there's an episode where she's determined to do surgery on a deer and save its life Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that one. Is that a thing a horse doctor could feasibly do? I mean, maybe. maybe. I don't know. That's more. That's that's more of like a uh, exotics thing, because that that, because that's what major you do if you want to like work at like wildlife rehabilitation. Uh, but conceivably, I mean, yeah, the anatomy is mostly the same. Okay, I guess that was my real question. (laughs) That uh, yeah, yeah, horse doctor is a thing you can be, and they make so much money. Like well, that's I mean, it sounds the... like the entire horse industry is 
mad yeah 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 and that's why a lot of large animal practitioners are so perplexed why they're going through a shortage right now it's like yeah it's more dangerous and it's hot in the summer cold in the winter and uh you could conceivably get bludgeoned by a horse hoof at any second and die but look how much fucking money you can make like even on the tech side of things since it's higher stress with a bigger animal you get more money i don't know how much more but more and but but also for large animal you're on call all the time because any uh large animal facility is a 24-hour facility because it has to be (laughs) we had to watch this uh uh, the Oklahoma State Veterinary Conference has a couple of uh, lectures that they let people in tech and vet schools watch over the, uh, online. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's the most boring shit I've ever sat through. But in with uh, the person they had hosting it and, like, introducing all the different speakers would, like, go on a little tangent in between them to, like, give the next speaker some time to, like, get themselves together and ready to go up and talk about large animal medicine and like she basically without a stitch of irony was like we're going through a shortage in large animal medicine and we feed the country so it's so noble and important to do why doesn't anyone want to do it it's just hot in the summer cold in the winter incredibly dangerous the hours are <laughs> and the hours are long <laughs> It's like, and like it's like why are we going through this shortage i don't understand it's like you just said why you're going through that shortage i'm trying i'm trying to look up how much a large animal vet tech makes a year yeah i think i mean there's probably some variant in there of whether or not they're working with like mostly cattle or goats or uh horses and stuff like that um Oh, another thing is a lot of those doctors, like, they go to the ranch. The ranch doesn't come to them because sometimes, like, some ranchers just don't want to have to go through the hassle of loading up a bunch of horses and cows onto a trailer and then driving it on rural roads to where (laughs) this large animal facility is, which is also usually in a rural area because that's the because you can't go on a lot of like just city roads with a giant trailer and uh have it be easy to drive apparently the highest according to google the highest paid vet position is an ophthalmologist i can see that (laughs) it requires an additional two to three years of study on top of vet school yeah yeah a lot of those procedures are like pretty new too so that's probably another thing that they that uh contributes to them having to go to school a little longer <laughs> a veterinary surgeon technician is apparently the highest paid vet tech yeah oh yeah if it's like an emergency facility and all you're doing is surgery yeah that that's that that I could see that being a very high paying thing because surgery they luckily the hospital I'm at we're all very good at uh figuring out who likes what and who's good at what and just trying to stick with that as much as possible. I want to note I've just realized that most of the data I've just quoted apparently comes from ZipRecruiter. So I don't <laughs> I don't know if that's unbiased or not. Or what region they're talking about, if it's a nationwide average or just like a, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, no, that's a good point. 
and that, because there's variations of what animals are common depending on what state you're in too like there's tons of fucking cows and horses where i'm at now <laughs> i feel like it should be crazy if you like excuse me i feel like it should be crazy if you lived in like uh like california or something yeah i, I mean california has like a cowboy kind of culture too like there's probably a fair amount of horses at least out there and all the know, maybe people. i'm just maybe i'm just misguidedly imagining california as being full of people who have like weird exotic pets like uh, this uh, is my uh, lemur <laughs> Uh, I imagine there's probably a shit ton of uh, uh, <laughs> bureaucracy you got to go through to have them. But yeah, there's probably, uh, I seem to remember seeing a few exotic pet channels where like, I live here in Los Angeles. It's like, okay, so of course you own a serval. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> probably have to pay out the ass to keep that serval, but you have one. <laughs> you want to not have to give a, the- What's a serval? It, it's serval. It's like the oh, kind of like feral cat that has like really long, tall ears. Interesting. They look just like giant house cats with really tall ears, and they like apparently if you raise them from up from when they're kittens, they can be like pretty okay house pets. But still, it's like a lot of those exotic animal people. Like, there's a reason they all have like giant backyards. <laughs> it's to keep all all of their animals in enclosures. But every now and again, you get a little Instagram model looking person, and like, here's my pet lynx. <laughs> those seem to be popular right now. Yeah. It's terrifying to me because no, like, because no companion animal practice is going to take that fucking thing. <laughs> and no large animal practice is going to take that thing. They're concerned with like food animals and stuff. So where are you going to take that exotic hospital baby? I feel like but there's most... another exotic cat thing that I'm seeing a lot of now. I forget what it's. Yeah, there's also uh, like the ones that are halfway there to being a feral wild animal as a pet but aren't like a sphinx like no not sphinx uh what are they called uh bangles like, ah yeah i think that's the one i keep seeing on like social media yeah those those are they're fine house cats to have they're just really fucking expensive <laughs> and uh it's extra important that you get them fixed because if you don't then especially if you have a male one he's gonna like use you for hunting practice because he's going to have that urge no matter how diluted it is he's going to have that urge to like i need to pounce on something from a height <laughs> and sink my claws into its back and bite its neck i don't know <laughs> like, I, I there's a few bangles that come into the hospital i work at and they're all just oh, yeah. they're just they're just cats that can maybe jump a little higher but like yeah they're you get, they're just they're still just cats uh, I've seen a lot of Sphinx cats too. So basically, that's if you want to see <laughs> random animals you've only ever seen pictures of on Instagram, get into vet med. You'll see you'll you'll see more than plenty. Like I know people who have never seen a <laughs> Australian Shepherd in person, but like you get get into work for a general veterinary practice, you will see plenty, especially nowadays, and they are just the worst. <laughs> Oh, one yeah. time i what makes them what makes them bad well they're they're, they're the word shepherd is in their name like they were bred to like herd shit and it just happens that they they're really fluffy and they look pretty and they are nice dogs but it's just like they're really fucking rowdy and like the, like dogs that are bred to like do herding stuff they just instinctively nip 
So it takes longer for uh, people who adopt those uh, dogs to train them like, hey, don't just fucking do that to people. Because it's not just like, it's not just something they grow out of after, they, after they're not puppies anymore and you've done your due diligence and telling them that's not okay to do. Um, so like, yeah, I've, I've had many appointments where I'm just doing a basic exam on a Nazi shepherd and it nips at my hand and I don't know if it's because these idiots didn't train it right or if it's just herding instinct coming through. And also they tend to really not like being restrained any kind of herding dog those are the ones that are the worst with it and like an aussie shepherd like there's a big weight like range of weights it can be it can be as small as 30 pounds or as much as like 60 and if you and like they're very and they're like very fast and they scream right in your ear like they seem to like they're smart because they're they're smart too because they have to be in order to not get murdered by the cows they're herding I guess that makes sense. It's, it's, so like I, I had to restrain one, and then it screamed in my ear while I was doing the exam, and I guess I flinched, and he saw that I flinched. So when it got to the point where we had to get a blood draw on him so we could do a heartworm test, I had so like I do the thing where like you put one arm under him, hold him close to you, and then restrain the head with the other hand, and he didn't like that anymore. And then when we bring needles into the equation. He starts freaking out, so he starts thrashing with all of his strength and screaming right in my ear. And I refuse to believe that's just a coincidence. It's like, no, that dog fucking knew what he was doing. <laughs> and, and just, oh my god, social, social. And it was thrashing around, and I was like, I was very, very afraid that my knee was going to get out again or I was going to hurt my back. Because, like, you know, 35 pounds doesn't sound like a lot until it's thrashing with all of its strength in your arms. And you can't drop him because if you do, he will fall off of a four-foot-high table <laughs> and potentially shatter all of his ankles. <laughs> or blow out a knee. Or tear a tendon. <laughs> that's, rough. that's rough stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, they they are there's some herding dogs that are cool, like German Shepherds. If you get on them immediately from puppyhood, they're really obedient. They understand, like, yeah, I don't like this at all. But if I hold still, it's over faster. Most dogs have that like fight or flight thing, especially small dogs. That's why, like, pretty much any vet person I've talked to's first bite was always like a Shih Tzu or a Chihuahua or something. Because I hear that that is much that is very common to be bit by a smaller dog. Because they know they're small. So, like, they think, like, you're bigger than me. You're trying to murder me and use my flesh for nutrients. I better attack you. <laughs> that's why they're so distrustful of people. It's not because, like, oh, I only like this exactly one person. It, it, it's, uh, I don't know you. Are you going to eat me? Why are you coming at me with gloves and pointy things? I better, well, guess I better take off your hand. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm an outlier. Uh, there. My first bite was Manx cat. Manx cat. Yeah, big ones, right? No, they're tiny. Oh, uh, those I, are the like uh, you're thinking of thinking? Uh, uh, Maine Coon. Oh, those are the, you're those right. are the, gi- those right. are the giant ones. That um, is, that's definitely what I'm thinking of. Yeah, a Manx cat. Like, have you ever seen a cat that has like a little tiny stubby tail? I'm not sure I have actually. That's that's their thing. Is like they're this 
cat breed that occurred in uh, Manchester, England or something, and they just don't have tails. And people thought, hey, that's fun. Uh, it's not, though. They always, almost always develop spine problems at some point in their life because the tail is part of the spine. So if you oh. don't have, if you're born without a tail, you're born without like a solid half of your spine. So <laughs> most of them, like they get around okay, but they, they, once they hit like seven or eight, that's when they start like having mobility issues or they're born with a syndrome called colloquially, it's called this, it's called Manx syndrome, which is your back limbs just stop working and then rigor mortis up real fast. I, feel like <laughs> and the, I think I've seen that. Yeah, that's what the cat bit me had. Uh, he, uh, his name was Howdy, uh, because <laughs> he, the way that he learned to walk, because he got, he had it from birth, is oh. like he would take his legs and just like kind of spin them underneath himself like a break dancer, and then hold them up and outward, and then just kind of waddle back and forth like that. <laughs> so it looked like, so it looked like how a saddle sore cowboy walks. So that's why they called him Howdy, but. Uh, howdy like did not i mean no cat likes having their abdomen expressed but like howdy like since he has no feeling back there he doesn't know when he has to piss or shit or anything so period like usually the shit would just fall out of him but like piss like we had to express his bladder if like if he hadn't pissed in like five hours we had to express his bladder and uh that requires touching his abdomen which howdy did not like and uh i was just changing out his pad because he can't go in a litter box because he walks on his only on his front legs so he can't hop in there um i had to change out his pad he was lying down on his pad so i just gently like brushed him off of off of the pad like barely touched him and then just all of a sudden i just felt this jolt go through my body and then just my thumb my area my hand like the area between like your thumb and your index finger just on fire then it was throbbing and then it bled a little bit and then nothing (laughs) dang Uh, i i looked into it and since it didn't bleed that much, I just washed it with chlorhexidine and put some like ointment on it and bandaged it up. And people were like, "Ah, oh, I got scratched." And it's like, "Okay, that's fine." They're like, and then I guess one of the kennel techs witnessed to this happen, but I didn't see them, so they told management. The management was like, "Hey, John, if your hand falls up, you have to go to the hospital." <laughs> like, what? It's like, yeah, man, you can't. You can't be just getting bit and not saying anything. <laughs> It didn't swell up though, so I didn't have to go to the hospital. But uh, for the next like two weeks, it like really hurt to move my thumb back and forth because I guess he grazed a nerve. I never explained the jolt. And uh, and uh, and also why it didn't bleed that much. I guess I guess he somehow missed like any kind of capillary or whatever that he could get and just hit straight nerve and <laughs> just straight nerve. And he clamped down hard too. Like I've never been bit by a cat like that. But like I've met. Uh, vet texts are like um one uh cohort in the veterinary industry that i met out here got attacked by also by a manx cat um but the manx cat just launched itself at her face and uh attacked her so hard that he ripped he lost a nail in her face oh my god 
So she had to go to the hospital to the ER immediately so they could administer like injections to put the swelling down so they could find where the puncture wounds were to stitch those up and where the tooth went or, or, or nail, sorry, not tooth, na- where the nail went. So they could take that out and use it for and then send it off to a lab for testing to make sure the cat didn't have any diseases that could potentially cause a blood infection. <laughs> God. Damn. And like it. Yeah, like your face swells up real big if an animal fucks you up enough. But like, I got real lucky with my first bite then because I just got just really annoying pain and then the giant jolt and then like immediate uh, adrenaline rush when that happens. So I was just like, the way I responded after it bit me was, hey, stop that. (laughs) Not, fuck. Like, so like, yeah, hey, I kept my composure. That's got to mean something. <laughs> but then there's other patients where it's like, oh, careful, you don't make eye contact with this basset hound, John. It attacks one of our old techs once, and then the dog's like my best buddy in there. And I'm just like, can I trust this dog? Uh, are you coming to lick my face, or are you gonna bite me too? No, no, licking my face. Okay, this is great. This is fine. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the that's the thing though. Any day you don't get bit is a good day. <laughs> um, I, Makes sense. Aside from a couple scrapes here and there, um, I, I've been pretty lucky so far. But yeah, it's it's not if it's when if if you get into this business, like when you're gonna get a bad bite, like re- like not necessarily like plastic surgery bad, but uh, bad enough that it hurts a lot. Like I know another person who got bit by a cat exactly where I got bit by Howdy, and he said the tooth went went through like his his jaw like completely closed, and, and like there's a hole in his hand, and that was throbbing and bleeding, and it swelled up the size of a softball immediately. God dang! And, and it's like it's like wow. I had no idea that cat bites were so venomous. Yeah, and then like yeah, um. But most people I know, they just got bit by like a scared dog that they didn't see that its ears were perked back or its sides were big right away. And then I almost got my face taken off by a bloodhound when I was an intern. Uh, that was that was the whole thing in and of itself. But like, uh, yeah, I was just getting a heart rate real quick. And I heard like that low grumbly noise. I was like, oh, that, oh, this dog's growling. And I m- instinctively move. And then like... I move my, I turn my head, and there's this bloodhound inches from my face. <laughs> it was a warning shot. I don't think the dog was actually trying to fuck me up. It was just trying to tell me like, get away from me. But like, yeah, just this close. And bloodhounds are big. Dang. Like they're like they're 85 to 110 pounds. Like they're big ass, like track you down and kill you kind of dogs. Wow. So, I mean, they do get tired very easily. So that's where the stereotype of them being lazy dogs just lie down on the porch comes from. Like, yeah, they will, they will, they will. That's the closest, that's the closest I've come to almost getting mauled by an animal. Though I did get attacked by a dog when I was a little kid, which is why my dad thought it was weird <laughs> that I wanted to get into a, a business where that could happen again and again and again, conceivably. <laughs> When you were a kid, you hated that shit. 
Yeah, it's like, huh, you work with dogs? No. He didn't, he, like, I remember getting bitten by the dog, but I didn't remember how bad it was. Apparently, they said, like, I had to get, like, surgery done on my face, and that's where the scar on my nose is from. It's just like, yeah, somebody's husky or or might have been a Malinois maybe, but like one of those really like, I need to do something all the time or I'm going to scream kind of dogs. I'm sure I did something to deserve it. There's no way I didn't because I was a little kid. Little kid, There's no such thing as a little kid that's good at petting animals. <laughs> you sound, I remember when you talked about it in college, you did sound more traumatized by it than you do now. Yeah. Well, I mean, now I've been around a bunch more those kind of dogs and other dogs so i know like most dogs aren't gonna fuck you up and also i know more shit about dog psychology and like do not go up to the dog if it is tense and its ears are back and its eyes are really big do not maybe don't look them in the eye um proceed with caution before smiling because if it's the certain kind of dog that's angry enough and you smile at it it thinks you're bearing its teeth at him and he's going to fuck your life up now <laughs> but, Possibly, but yeah. good idea learn closed mouth smiles for dogs yeah yeah i i i've uh also like you know if you if they're really close to you just look at their nose i don't mind it if you look at their nose um it, there's it, but that's just it though there's outliers for everything so it's like some some dogs you can basically like roll around on the floor with and they don't care what you do but like as long as there's no needles involved near their feet uh i hear you but yeah i don't know i've just become to descent you become desensitized to the weirdest stuff you stay in that bed long enough like i can nothing grosses me out that much anymore makes sense um stuff can smell really bad and i i don't flinch i mean i still want to get want to eliminate the source of that smell but uh yeah i've smelled like skin infection rot i've smelled like parvo diarrhea i've smelled him out of cheesia i will let people google that so uh... so so i so i actually had a question about parvo okay so at one point, um, so one point, a, a partner I was with had a dog um, that got what appeared to be all the symptoms for having parvo. Now, they survived. How likely is it that they actually had parvo? They still very well could have had it. Parvo is just a parasite. Uh, it, yeah yeah like it, it just it takes all the nutrients from your food from the dog's food so it, that's how it dies that's why it usually just kills puppies oh uh, it's still really bad you absolutely do not want to spread that okay. like that's another thing i've done we had somebody bring in a doa with par- that happened like every two weeks we had a doa come in that died from parvo and somebody just dumped it in a park or something um yeah, and they're always like in this weird apparatus of some sort that someone built thinking no one's gonna go near this now haha and then of course someone's gonna go near it it's a dead animal in a box you're gonna smell that eventually uh, so people bring it in and then after we do all the necessary things we have to immediately close for 15 minutes to deep clean the entire hospital and and spray ourselves down with like bleach mist so we don't inadvertently give a bunch of other dogs parvo that would be bad 
yeah yeah and so if it's an older dog and it had parvo there's a chance it could have survived it it's still pretty slim it though was maybe like a year or two old yeah so like the uh the way they get parvo is through contact like mostly with feces of other dogs so if it like stuck its face in another dog shit and that dog and parvo or like if a dog if you uh have like a chain link fence that like part of it is shared between uh your yard and your neighbor's yard and their dog has parvo and your dog sniffs like makes touches the other dog's nose and it has parvo it can get parvo like there's just a bunch of different ways they can catch it mostly it's feces though but that's the answer to most uh kind of illnesses that dogs get it's they ate something they weren't supposed to or through contact of infected feces which is a problem eating something they shouldn't have eaten yeah yeah i mean we get like there's also uh what is called in vet med as colitis season that's like thanksgiving through new year's (laughs) and what because colitis colitis is basically just like uh uh colo means colon and then itis means infection of that they eat like heavily like people food you get they get it from eating people food mostly Uh. because that's another reason why dog food is so expensive it's because it's formulated to not fuck with their gi tract like if you give your dog like turkey or fucking like people like just really fatty people food they're gonna get real sick and puke or get a lot of diarrhea and that's that's and then that can eventually lead to colon inflammation and that can become its own set of problems but yeah november through about january that's when we see a lot of colitis cases because people think oh my dog's part of the family it should all it deserves to have this this people food that, that we normally do not let it eat but a surprising amount of people feed their dogs people food and it's really really annoying like uh this one really old lady who's like in her 80s has two dachshunds so already they're very prone to becoming obese and if they do it's a big problem because their backs are so long but their legs are so short (laughs) she fed her dogs not like half a rotisserie chicken a day like each dog got half a rotisserie chicken and that's all that she fed them that seems like the bones alone make that seem like a terrible idea i mean she would apparently she would like cut the meat off the bone she didn't just give them a whole thing but she would probably she also would give them the leg bones and stuff like that which you're not supposed to fucking do um people see it in fucking cartoons and think that it's okay to do but it's it is not um if you're if a dog like a dachshund gets too fat uh too much weight is put on its tiny little legs and it causes then they get like their ankles start turning outward and they stay like that so walking is really awkward and impossible for them Dang. Um, and uh this lady was old enough that she had a handler who would just go out in public with her, make sure she didn't do anything stupid or say anything racist or whatever, or both. And um, I was I was doing the intake part of the exam where I'd just gather history and do a quick little uh, palpation exam, get a heart rate, temp, body temp, and all that. And she was like, "Tell John what you've been feeding the dogs." And she's like, oh, if I give them each half a rotisserie chicken, and they love it." And I was like, "Oh, 
okay. Like, why is that bad? Yes. <laughs> it's like the, the most fat heavy way to eat chicken outside of frying it. And that's all that they're eating. That's why they're fat. And also really old ladies don't fucking walk their dogs ever. And dachshunds are hounds. <laughs> You're supposed to exercise them like two or three times a day. <laughs> God damn. So, like, no exercise plus eating shitty fatty chicken resulted in the diarrhea and obesity. And she just seemed perplexed because she was this 80-something-year-old lady who probably lived in depression and just has it in her head that lots of food equals good and healthy and you're not going to die now. So, like, I tried explaining it to her and she's like, oh, what do you know? I want to talk to a doctor. And then the doctor came in and said the exact same thing <laughs> in more ur- using more urgent <laughs> verbiage. And then she accepted it. Haven't seen either of those dogs since. Who knows if she actually fucking bought them actual dog we've food got, or not. <laughs> we've got to go find another doctor. Those doctors are all anti-chicken. Yeah, yeah, and then and uh, let's see. Oh, there's this another time someone brought in their dog for a uh, heart uh, cardiac ultrasound, and uh, the dog was having heart pro- was in the early stages of congestive congestive heart failure. Um, prognosis was not good. It was I forget what breed it was, but I'm sure it was probably a breed that was prone to that enough as it is, and. Uh, overweighted like not like whoa how do you even move overweight but noticeably really chunky dog and it was a breed that was not supposed to be that way for a myriad of reasons but i remember while we were looking at this because it was like two years under the average for when that kind of dog usually starts getting heart problems and then during the the guy was like oh i don't know i guess it's just you know he's getting older and during the exam the dog starts like thrashing around like hey stop let me up and the guy was like it's okay buddy we'll get you a cheeseburger after this like that's why your dog is fucking congestive heart failure dude because you're feeding him fucking cheeseburgers and i know why he's doing it it's because of those fucking like videos on the internet of people giving dogs cheeseburgers on their birthdays quote unquote birthday and and they think oh that's normal good to do but it's like most of those videos are fucking sadness porn of dogs of the day a dog gets put down so they're doing like hey have some burgers you're gonna die today anyway it doesn't matter you have spend your last couple moments of alive being a happy dog and eating crap you're not supposed to this dude's feeding his dogs cheeseburgers as a like a treat for being obedient how many fucking cheeseburgers has this dog eaten over the course of a month never mind his whole life like fuck (laughs) you hear that everyone don't feed your dog cheeseburgers or any people food i've also seen footage online of people giving their dogs fucking tacos and shit from like talk not even like tacos they made themselves like from taco bell or something like here dog happy quote unquote what i arbitrarily decided is your birthday (laughs) have this time it usually corresponds with the day that i adopted you because adopted you and the implication of that is you didn't exist before i adopted you (laughs) have this sodium heavy most of it isn't even actual meat anyway hard shell taco are you fucking out of your goddamn mind best case scenario that dog's gi guy's getting perforated because he can't chew the fucking shell 
yeah and, and then yeah some people come in like and since it's animals there's no like it's starting to get better just because like now but like there's still very little legislation over what's okay to give dogs so, so like grocery stores sometimes will have bones like soup bone for dogs and it's like it is no different than any other soup bone so that we used to get those for the the dachshund who got the parvo um and but we stopped doing it because he would have these shits where they were basically chalk yeah you'd have chalk shits you either get that because you can't the like dogs can hardly digest like straight up full pieces of bone they can digest like marrow and shit but which is in a lot of dog foods too but um yeah or they or like since they can't chew it because dogs have like wider gaps between their teeth teeth than humans do so like they basically swallow stuff whole most of the time and like maybe it gets crunched up a little bit but like usually it's fine that's why kibble's shaped the way it is so dog doesn't dog or cat doesn't choke while it's just tossing it down but um yeah if you give it a bone it might chew it up in a way that it gets to the tract okay or it might become like a dagger made of a bone and your dog swallows it and it's just slashing up its fucking gi tract all the way out Jeez. yeah that, that happens all the time with people who give their dogs actual bones like there's That's plenty a, of mean, shit out i mean you can't blame people when yeah because uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's in cartoons it's in, yeah, like old cartoons, movies, fucking they also This like, is what dogs love more than anything else is bones. Yeah, yeah actually bones. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's why the there's a new market for like things that mimic the experience for your dogs of gnawing on a bone, but it's not an actual bone, so they're not going to splinter it off and bleed internally from gastro hemorrhaging because their stomach uh, have you seen the deer antlers for the uh, dogs to chew on is that any better I don't know enough about it yet Um, okay maybe I I, I don't know probably not though (laughs) it's it's a it's different than a it splinters different than an actual bone does but I don't know like yeah just grocery stores sell it and there's no and some dogs nom down to nothing and don't get hurt or sick so therefore it's fine for all dogs to do it and, and like it's not just like shit like that there's like shoes designed for dogs to like you know have every day to like burn off energy and clean their teeth but just cause severe GI issues. There's this stuff called uh, busy bones that Purina makes. Usually Purina is smart, but they're putting out fucking busy bones. They feel like just straight up like plastic. Okay. And like your dog, but your dog chews on them like a bone and allegedly it's designed to like be harder for them to chew. So it takes them longer to get through. So your dog can burn off more energy and get its, it's a uh, wild urges out that way. Uh, but uh, some dogs eat and it's fine. But uh, they've discovered that busy bones also block up <laughs> their intestines because it's not digestible. Oh. So your dogs will either have hard shits or no shits at all because their bowels are obstructed by these ridiculous bones. <laughs> but there's but now like there there's plenty of stuff out there that's like that. Like there's collagen chews for dogs now that actually have nutritional value and don't fuck them up on the way out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, but they're perfectly legal to have on shelves because 
usually they're made by companies that have a good track record and like which just says dark things about the company too because like hey we really give a fuck about your dogs but still fuck you a little bit though <laughs> give us money because capitalism well goddamn. well i think uh i need to go make myself some food so i think yeah we'll i probably should there on fuck capitalism yeah. uh, but, <laughs> but uh you know always uh always a pleasure having you on here good sir uh, thank you for having me on again. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, say goodbye to the people. Bye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. This is Daniel P. Bradshaw coming to you from CNNNNN. This is our final broadcast. As you may be aware, the plague is now streaking across America, infecting us and slowly zombifying the human race into weird, nose-bleeding lemur people. This is, as I said, our final broadcast. But before we go, I wish to share some information that we were able to learn here at the station. This horrific disease apparently started when some dumbass in Toledo, Ohio, jumped a fence a fence in the zoo to check my, let me check my notes here, fist bump a lemur, because he thought it would be super cool. Yes, we can all thank some knuckle-headed moron in Toledo, Ohio, for the end of the world. And the fact that he left his quarantine tent to sneak out for checks notes, an extra large double mac. <laughs>